This is a poem I read last night. The statistic is seven times. Seven times. Some of you already know where this is going because you have researched abuse. Seven times a person in a relationship with domestic violence usually tries to leave before they are successful. And domestic violence is abuse. And it is cyclical with spiraling ripples of affect into lives even on the periphery and three blocks down from that. It is insidious in the culture of our world. I read an article about a study of femicide's predictability from Spain using AI and 33 variables to predict non-lethal and lethal violence in intimate partner relationships. 87% predictability success for non-lethal and 82% for lethal when a broad range of variables are considered. We study the successful identification of types of violence. The article is thoughtful to include the truth that the outliers exist. These bodies, these women who are not statistically identified, yet experience lethal violence. I reflect upon the word femicide. It's so exclusive and clear about the message, whereas domestic abuse and intimate partner violence is certainly inclusive including adults of all labels and kinds and the kids who surround them. My first girlfriend called me abusive, and I was. I engaged in the emotional abuse of expecting unreasonable things from a partner. However we sort out the variables, that much is true. Yes, we were young and both had much to learn. I am still accountable. This is when I learned not to name-call. I am still sorry I called her a bitch first or at all. Getting divorced six years ago, I researched. I researched about abuse, about the seven times. Counting out where I was, I lost track. I was abused around the wheel of power dynamics. Women who have experienced domestic abuse are more likely to experience it again. The same is true of rape victims, by the way. I researched while my baby slept, to find children in split homes are more likely to experience sexual abuse. It made leaving more terrifying, and the trauma reverberates in repeating patterns. And which is worse, no dad or a sometimes abusive dad? Research shows that they both suck. I think about five weekends ago, late night poor choice random YouTube whole click on Drew Barrymore's life story. Why? I don't have all the answers. A warning flashes, discussion of domestic violence, stock footage, roles that to some degree simulates how children experience witnessing abuse. That fucked me up for a couple of days, just like being called a bitch in an angry way did after not hearing it with frequency for a solid four months. It's cyclical. After the femicide article, I check in with my guilt. It's still there. I think about how I asked for it, ignored red flags. Then I'm kind to myself, reminding myself of the red used in domestic abuse stock footage and how the red flags were camouflaged when I was in it. Yet deep down, I know I saw them. I just couldn't do anything other than stay. The study from Spain, our legal court and police systems are operating without education on the 33 variables or compassion or science or justice. To minimize it, I certainly don't love the police. Yet I think of my situation and the year my life involved far more police contact than I ever anticipated, and the times they weren't involved, and the times it wasn't my fault that they were. And it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. And sometimes I believe that. Other times I don't. I look back at the concessions I thought were boundaries, learn about reactive abuse, and abuse is abuse is abuse. I fell in love with a man and his kids. Did I fall in love with a man? He didn't love me. Did I ever love him? How could I have done this to myself? I thought I was smarter than that. I showed our two boys that abuse was okay, that women just take it, participated in the tragic cycle. Stop, leave, stop, leave. Seven more times, it just gets worse each time. It's over. Explosively over. Police, court, and I still wanted to make it work somehow. Victims, advocate, therapy, 
therapy, therapy. No one leaves an unhealthy relationship as the healthy one. Broken to rebuild, still realizing the existing undercurrents of learned behaviors from the abuser are still sending shockwaves. Through all the questioning, perseveration, freezing and shitty self-talk, over-identification as a victim, diminishing dissociation, doubt, minimizing over-concern with how everyone else is doing, and breathe. These are expensive lessons we learn on each other. Recovery is long and hard and ongoing and still cracks caused by the reverberation from over the years and over deep patterns surface years later. And I listen to my girlfriends on the phone and I don't like how these guys talk to them. That's how it starts. So only one time broken, rebuild again, closer to the ground to stand firmly against femicide, to let my girlfriends know that they have a friend. And then it's back to 2014. Nice. If you're ready. Oh, shit. These are primarily chronological. You can be angry, but I prefer to be grateful. You can be victimized by yourself, but I prefer to be strong. You can wallow, but I prefer to be visionary. But a smile that dissipates as a result of chastisement is like a twisted fate of loss and heartache. Chided joy is like two losses and a punch in the face and then in the gut. When the optimist gets down, it is a dark time and the ripples are sour and lead to stagnation. 2016, Saltwater Buddha. I don't call you a bitch because you are afraid to fight. I call you a bitch because I think you are afraid to do what's right. I call you a bitch because I'm not, and I know that's hypocritical, because when I am a bitch, it's a good thing. Like, I'll rip your throat off like you deserve it, and I'm a scary-ass bitch. It is all what we make it. Sometimes you just have to make it. You just keep going. That's all you do. Keep moving, because you know there will be something coming. One month. One month can change everything, make you a beauty queen, new life, death, small decision that builds, cripple you, blind you, find you walking 12 months later after being pronounced paralyzed. One month, one month can change everything. A lot of it depends on your perspective, your interpretation, what you're going to make of things. One month. One month can change everything for the better or worse. And reality is the chocolate sauce that provides a glimmer of what really is hope and depth. One month. One month can change everything. One minute. One minute can change everything. Swift decisions that happened in seconds that last into minutes, into months, into lifetimes. How do you use your power to move mountains in minutes or to create obstacles? You are my greatest disappointment. I am your lost puppy dog. You are the reason my veins long to be split open. I became a bitch when you called me one so many times. I'm turning into a she-wolf alpha, but I may try lioness instead. Maybe I will turn into a praying mantis and devour you. You don't think I deserve anything. I'm starting to think your speeches are overrated and I'm over being hated. I know I don't deserve to be berated. She-wolf out. Somewhere in there, I'm really upset. I can't find, I've been told to shut the fuck up one too many times. And that's what started this collection of why we're now listening to like 22 poems. But here is a lovely acrostic called Asshole Dumb Bitch. A lovingly beautiful woman sits waiting for the next time her husband treats her like shit. Hey, I'm not that bad, she tries to say, but when she opens her mouth, his line is to shut the fuck up. Everyone deserves love, even me and even you. Don't call me a bitch, she says. She doesn't understand how this man she gave her heart to can see her as a bitch, especially when she's having his baby, when he used to look so lovingly and say, I love you. 
talk results in fighting and chances to be together are squandered, and she sits waiting for him to see her and not the asshole dumb bitch. This is now into 2018. I think they're still chronological, but knowing your own. How do you contain an amount of pain and disappointment that is enough to make time stop, leave you frozen? I am swimming upstream and the current is taking me back, taking me back to the me I used to be, that other me, even though I can never truly be her again. I could keep swimming, but I could also step onto the bank. Choose to become. We are the stories we tell, the good and the bad, comedy, tragedy. What do you make of your life? What stories do you make it up of? Self-discovery and connections to others, they both matter. That one time, that pivotal moment, that realization, the climax, the exposition, the denouement. Intentions. Apparently, the road to hell is built with the best intentions. I guess this cliche might actually qualify as one of my life lessons, but fuck it, I still think they mean something. Intentions. Something we don't teach our children always, or don't want to. Sometimes the rapist walks free, and sometimes an innocent winds up on death row. Sometimes bad things happen to good people, and sometimes no matter how hard you try, you will fail. And I don't really get it when a lady loses nine members on a fucking duck boat in Missouri, and somebody says God had a plan for her because she survived. What the fuck? Does that mean it was God's plan for her babies to die? I'm all in it to believe in the world's benevolence and that things happen for a reason, but sometimes it seems like they don't. It is human to want to understand and justify and explain. Sometimes life just fucks you and you gotta keep living anyway. Might as well make the most of the time you have left. Try to be happy despite injustices, unfairness, and jacked up circumstances and loss. Moms. One of the most honest compliments I've ever received was from Dan last week. You're doing better than some moms so far. It isn't really a compliment, more like a fact stated. Yeah, there are some moms who abandon, smoke crack, abuse, suck, and fuck their kids up. He was basically saying you don't seem to be like one of those moms. But every mom, every parent basically has to come to grips with the fact that we fuck our kids up. We can't help it. And even in the long run, if you don't fuck up your kids, there will be a point in their lives when they think that you did. It's their job to think that for a while as they become themselves. Then there are moms who people think are perfect, and they aren't. It's all about appearance and seeming like perfection. In some ways, I think these moms are worse than crackheads. The kind of mom I am is the kind of mom who does her best and honestly doesn't give a fuck about other people's judgments, which is not the same as not caring about their advice, but acknowledging that no one is perfect. It's not other people who will tell you or decide if you are a good mom. It's your kid. Eventually, time will tell. Their judgment is the only true, fair judgment. So while Dan's compliment is true, I'm doing better than some moms. Thank you, but I don't care. I must keep momming and awaiting Gracie's judgment. Still in 2018. Untitled. Fuck your words. Words are cheap. Yes, they can be powerful. They can build, break down, create, destroy, label, explain, claim, beguile, incite, question, answer, lie, calm, connect, soothe, Words are what a person makes them, and your words mean nothing. Your words disguise intent, manipulate, and fuck with people. So fuck your words. They do not mean what they say. I do not want to waste my words on you anymore. I want to make castles out of my words from brick and mortar and substance. I will slather this life with words like thick, concrete honesty. Person of substance, person of purpose. Fuck you. We are all just getting along, making it happen, doing our best or worst. We all wonder, some more than others, what is the point? Why am I here? What is my ultimate purpose? 
to be honest, I found it easier to just go on living and doing and taking this life moment by moment and day by day, living in the present, occasionally reflecting upon the past and hoping for the future. I am a firm believer. I am a firm believer in the concept of karma. What you put out into the universe will be returned to you. I am a firm believer in the beauty of it all and that the universe, this world, this earth, these people and animals are symbiotically existing. The universe will provide. I am a biologist who understands that not all relationships are symbiotic. There are parasites too, but this world is not a negative space. 2019. Ouch. Submission to abuse is the worst kind of suicide. It's handing the knife to the person who will stab you and being grateful when they do. 2021. Sometimes my heart stops and restarts like found art. When we become different, sometimes it is permanent. Finality. Yet it is both in the impermanence, temporary nature, and finality in which we find beauty. I walk on dinosaur art, each part significant, and forget the point. Duality, distinction, integration, surprise, relevance, creation, valuable balance. Necessary extremes, thin veil. Life and death, so much meaning in the in-between. Fucking failures that still sting years later. Lessons learned, wounds healed, yet there are times these failures still sting. Not wishing things to be different than they are, but a reminder of that pain. Deep wounds unseen still exist, but slowly, slowly they become worked out of cells and the lessons remain. Sweet scarred memories, reminders of opportunity. What do you paint your life with? Do you use scars or stars? Are you a director or a detractor? What are the factors that determine the difference? It is a thin line, a tight line we hold within ourselves. I invite you to explore the tension. Creativity. Creativity is not the solution. It is a tool, paradigm shifter, opener. Creativity's proclivity must be mixed with hope, optimism, and vision. Creativity lives integral in trust. This is a very old poem. I wrote this poem in this wet moment where anything is possible. We are here. We are all here. We are making history in this moment. We live with all there is. I'm not accustomed to ending sets with darkness and the poem that you asked me to to read was very dark and it's hard to end with that so I tried to write this last night and it's imperfect but what isn't and we just have to put things out there sometimes so now this is 2023 as I watch each day stacks tenderly into years My girl ain't a baby anymore. She is a beautiful beaming smile of light that grows sharper and brighter by the day. She takes everything in. She tells me to do yoga and smiles her toothless grin, telling me that she's still calm from doing it earlier. So much changed when she flew out of my vagina, ready to face the world. She inspires me daily to laugh, 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 and find joy in every minute. Colors, sparkle, glue, nail polish, paint— And you can't rush art, Mom. I delight in her songs and wildness. I nurture her voice even when she is tired, hungry, sad, mad, and everything is wrong. She is so beautiful even when she is scary. I tell her she is loved multiple times a day because it matters and that it is forever and always, no matter what, and even after I am gone. My daughter knows about death. She was born. I will never shield her from darkness, but I will teach her to bring light with her always. Keep teaching her, like the matriarchal queens before me, to listen to herself, and even more importantly, to forgive herself more quickly than before, in order to focus on what's next. 
In my family, we often dwell in the past or hoard things for so far off in the future we don't see it ourselves, but it's in the next generation. My people, our people, we are healing and it's important to name it. My people are healing. Our people are healing. Even as grief, tragedy, and pain continue, living in each minute, we feel the fester, not knowing the fever will rid us of infection tomorrow. It is getting better. It has to. We have dead children in our hands. We have living children brutally separated from parents and caregivers. We have my child who will have her own trials and travesties. She is privileged, but this is only on the surface not in a reality when other children don't get their given right to smile the day away and play and be obstinate about ridiculous things. I make decisions with intention each day to leave her with love to face this world and the most love for the balance between loving oneself and one another with the understanding that we are all connected. It's not easy and I fuck up every other minute, but it's about the fixing and the waiting and the trying again and the listening, attunement and learning. It's not about winning. It's about win-winning, flying over the fucks and fucking off from the trauma to find peace in a good stretch in a minute. In a good morning song, realizing that people of the moon praise the sun each morning and the morning goes on and on with the celebration of each new day and bright idea. Love wins every single time, child. Save it for yourself in order to really give it. Find it in your own heart beating every minute and say it into action. Spellcraft of motherhood mending over and over again. Collectively, we must all heal. Emily, welcome back to the show. Thank you for doing this, especially on such short notice. Thank you for having me and thank you for having this space. And it is a beautiful delight to be back. Like, I appreciate it. Cheers. I got a lot that I want to ask you about, but I think first off, can we talk about the word bitch? Yeah. And because it, it, it's a refrain in, in the poems that you read specifically today. Um, what, what is that word? What, what, what's the power of that word? The meaning of that word? It is a super powerful word. Um, I have felt so many different ways about that word throughout the course of my lifetime. I think like as a child, you know, you're like, oh, it's a female dog. (laughs) You know, and that's that's just the beginning Um, for me. Currently, it's kind of like a a reclaimed word Mm -hmm. in some senses where now it is powerful. And if you look at the just understanding of that word culturally, like sometimes people who you say people who are bitches get what they want, you know, Mm. bitches are the assertive women, you know, at like just typical behavior for a human that would be seen as assertive in women is sometimes called bitchy and like, and identifying positively with that is where I'm currently at, but I've seen it. And like, I really do believe that name calling is so harmful. As I said in the first poem, like I called my girlfriend a bitch and like that is a marker and a step towards just disaster Mm. in relationships. Like that should not be happening. Um, And it happens very flippantly sometimes. And it's amazing. Like I hope that you will post um, in the feed or whatever you do, uh, whatever you call it, the feed like a domestic violence uh, Mm. resource because it's, yeah, it's something that can be very damaging and it can be said in a really negative way. So I am still disentangling how to use that positively, but I appreciate that word so much and Mm. it can even be said in like a friendly way. And I think, you know, definitely different connotations. We could talk for 8,000 podcasts about the N word. Like it's sort of similar in that way that it's a reclaimed word. It has a lot of meaning. Some people can say it and it's fine. Other people can't. I am definitely not saying that those words are equated in any sort of sense. I'm just pointing out like, um, 
I really appreciate nuance in discussing things like that. And I'm definitely not saying that they are the same level or impact or exactly the same, but they both can be used in both in harmful and inclusive ways. Like when someone's like, hey, bitches, what up? You know, like that is not a harmful way. But even like as a middle schooler, I identified that my friends and I calling each other bitches so often didn't feel good. Mm. So I think even if it is being used positively, again, with similarity to the N-word, it can still sort of hold some of the negativity in it. Yeah, and you never know who's hearing it with a different experience with that word, potentially, you know, who's like maybe not involved in the interaction that you're involved in, but they hear it and suddenly it affects them negatively. Yeah, it's definitely a dangerous and powerful word. Um, and it can be a fun and light word, but not acknowledging that danger and power is irresponsible. Um, but I mean, you don't always have the context to do that sometimes yeah. when it is being used. So. Yeah, part, part of me, it, well, I mean, I've never really understood the concept of swear words and like why there are bad words and not bad words, but words like the N word and, and bitch are words that have always made more sense. It's like, I don't I, what, what's the difference? Is it just, is it just the, the history of usage that loads meaning onto these words? Cause like call somebody an asshole. It's rude. It's aggressive potentially, but it's not, it's different qualitatively somehow. Yeah. I it's, I do not have a, an explanation for that, how words carry different charges. Like, and especially sometimes it's different. Like I don't mind the word cunt as much as mm -hmm. like, that is a word that just will bring rage into the center of a person's being sometimes. And that's just not my response to it. So uh, it's, I don't know. It's hard to say why certain words have that charge that they do. I mean, history layers it on thick with some words, you know, yeah. like any child in my classroom who tries to tell me that faggot means bundle of sticks. I'm just like, we are hundreds of years removed from that. Yeah. Let's acknowledge like how language changes and how it has impact, you know? Yeah. And you're not being as clever as you think you are. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. But to keep talking about words, one of the lines, I pulled out a couple lines from what you were reading. Um, and one of them was fuck your words. I'm pretty sure I can't find where I wrote it down. Uh, in, oh no, your words mean nothing. That's what it was. Sorry mm -hmm. to misquote you. Um, and it seemed directed in that poem. I'm not sure which one it was. It seemed directed at a particular person, but I'm wondering more generally, does that, does that your words mean nothing apply to, to the world at large? Um, that was definitely explicitly directed at a person in mind. Um, I think it can, and sometimes it necessarily does. Um, you know, discernment of what you're going to listen to and accept as messages in part of your, as messaging in part of your life is something that you can be thoughtful of. And I find it helpful to be, you know, um, you don't have to give weight to everything that you hear, you know, you, yeah. you can decide how much weight you want to give things and attention. Um, do I think I, I often do talk about like not giving a fuck about other people. And it's, it's, I, I like that one line. that's like, it's in that, in the poem about, it's not the same thing as not caring. Mm. Like, um, I think, it is a line of like, you can care about what other people think and value what they think, but it does not ever have to be your everything. And I've found more danger in that. More danger in? In um, making it like you're, you're everything, you know, like in caring, in, too much. In, in caring too much. Yeah. yeah. In, in just taking what people say without running it through my own filter and just like allowing that in, you know? Yeah. 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 Not, not to like, you know, not to Buddhist dump on people, but there's like a Buddhist little story or whatever that or I think it is, it might be wrong, but it's like, 
it it's taking like words from somebody else and equating it with an arrow that gets shot at you and the arrow lands at your feet. And then it, rather than just letting the arrow lay there, you pick it up and start like stabbing yourself with it. Mm. It's kind of, it's kind of that, you know, exactly. You, you get to take some power back you by, by choosing to, to say that those words don't have the power that the person might think that they have. Yeah. And I, I think there's a lot of, validity to doing that I also don't know that it totally works yeah I mean you know you're in a situation and sometimes there's things that you can't ignore or you can't help but t take in you know right and especially and with like aggression laden into it you know like if somebody is is really like intending this to to penetrate into your your core yeah it's like it's difficult to withstand that. Yeah, it is. Well, and it isn't always that intense. Like I think even, even at the Merc, you know, you're in a room full of people. If you are attuned to the feel of the night, you know, it might be as a result of what people are saying up on the stage or like sometimes you just like, apparently everybody was having a night last night where it was like, we're all going to, get a little wild you know? so <laughs> the erotic poetry festival yeah so i think you just can be affected by things and you can't always shut yourself out like you are affected by the energy in a room and it, yeah so that's not that part's not entirely real you know like you can say that you're not going to let things affect you, but they do. Yeah. But like a step towards deciding whether or not you want to be where you are or be around that person or whatever, you know, is, is acknowledging it. So, and that piece is empowering. If Definitely. that makes sense. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll have to listen back to it. So you, you referred to the poems you read as a collection. Uh, like, what does that mean to you? Like, is this, uh, is, are these poems that thematically go together into like something you would perform as a set or, or what is the collection? They are that this definitely, I mean, last night you asked me to read that and I was like, I don't have any, I don't know what else I would pair with it. Only if you want me to come read one poem. And then, so we could have just, I know you're like, well, we could be done now. Um, no. Um, but, uh, then I was just like, it doesn't make sense as one poem. Cause uh -huh. that, that experience and the things that I'm touching on are so much more. And so that's why I just like immediately, well, I started looking for one poem initially and then I'm in all of these notebooks and I could not find that one poem, but I found all of these other pieces and it was just really interesting to try to organize them chronologically and see the different feels and where I was at. And what did so, you... Like, do you have a, a takeaway from, from that process? Oh, that there's more work to be done. <laughs> I mean, that's also a theme is like two steps forward, one step back, like mm. as far as healing and progress, but that's just life and writing as well. Um, so I definitely want to take a look at these pieces and this collection and, you know, I always have like a thousand book ideas rolling around. It's just that matter of, uh what will actually come of that. And so this, this could be a piece of that. It was, I found more than I was necessarily expecting to, that was like, to me personally, dead on connected. I'll be excited to listen to the podcast all the way through and see if hearing it back, things are as connected mm. as I right. imagined. But I also just was kind of relying on that, concept of time pulling you through to where we are now and I just as an author and reader love fucking with time frame so it was really fun to read a current poem and then go all the way back to 2014 and then come forward from there yeah and then you ended with one and then with a brand go back and forth a little bit yeah hell yeah hell yeah that's really cool you, I, I don't know if this was on mic, but I joked that this was the New Year's episode, and you said no, this should be the the end of the year episode. Um, and and we talked about leaving things in in the past, and I, I, we are, you know, a day away from the end of the year, so we should probably just talk about like, or if you want, if you would, if you don't mind, what what has this past year 
been like for you? Oh my <laughs> gosh. Well, okay. I was preparing to read a somewhat cohesive put together set. I was uh, not preparing to share a whole reflection on my you don't, year. You don't, um, you don't have to. I, it's goodness, that's, that's going to take some time. But uh, Has it been a good year? It has been a good year. It has been a good year. Um, it's a year of learning as always. And um, really trying to put myself out there and do new things that feels far more unsafe sometimes than I even want to think about, you know, it's really hard to do something different. We get stuck in our ways. And so we've talked about comedy and like this Mm -hmm. set was not comedy. I mean, I have (laughs) some really dark comedy about it. Like I, you know, you can delete this if you want to, or you can leave it in, I'm but it's like, it I don't know what you're going to say, but I'm leaving Who it should stand up against femicide more easily, men or women? And it's like, men, they have an extra third leg. Jesus Christ, is it really that hard? But, you know, like, that's not fucking funny. It's like, it is, but it's cutting. And that's that's the way I like my comedy, is to be brutally cutting, but also mildly funny. So you like, I'm imagining you like hearing the audience like do a sharp intake of breath after a joke where they're like, (laughs) I guess, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. So many comedy greats to look up to in that regard. Um, But I, I, if I ever do pursue that, I hope to be as like offensive as Dave Chappelle. Like he's so (laughs) wonderful, but people just go crazy. And I'm like, he's talking sense. Are you kidding me? I don't know. But then to even to my own community, like the GLBTQ LGBTQ, sorry, I'm dating myself. Community is like, what the fuck, man? So I don't know. I there's there's something to be said for being able to let your words be light. But but this year has been more about trying to be like, and I was even working on those more recent pieces, like in the car on the way over <laughs> here at the stoplight, because you want to be impeccable with your language because it matters so much. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think like setting the tone for, are we having fun here? Are we talking about something? That's, that's something to be aware of. But anyway, this year trying to do new things and like actually new things and, and invite new stuff into life and also learning to let go. Like I did not know how well I can hold on to shit sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's been like a multiple year lesson, but just like the joy of letting things go it can be really fabulous. So those are a couple nice, of nice. things. Are you going to share with your audience? What the year's yours? been like for me? Yeah, Mitch, what has your year been like? What, what I was, reflection do you have? I got high last night and was, and was, I probably won't, but I was just kind of like fantasizing about just being completely alone on New Year's Eve for the first time in my life and just like rolling in the new year just wow. by myself. I don't know if I will, but uh, I don't know. It doesn't really answer your question. Um, yeah. Answer the question. I mean, the, yeah, this year has been fine. This year has been good. It's uh, I mean, it was the start of a lot of things. It was fucking, you know, did you start this this year? Yeah. I started this in, in the summer. I think it was, I think I had the idea in like March or something like oh that. And I started gosh. in like June. Yeah. This has not even been happening for a year yet. And look at where Brand it's new, at. Little baby. Uh, but I mean, I finished school, started this, I met Sleepy basically this year, end of 2022, 2023. So now that whole thing is like happening. So 2023 has been strange. Yeah, it's been strange. And a lot of new. Yeah. I mean, you and Sleepy seem like you guys have been brohosses for like six years or so. I mean, you guys seem really tight. It, it was easy. It was easy to to get it going once once we started talking. I did think he was a cult leader at first, but <laughs> well, he still might be. No, I don't know. Um, I loved hearing him on the like paired podcast. Cause he's so kind of quiet oh, with, Andrew? with Andrew. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. that was so good. He just like really came to life. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is your feature. All right. Getting me to talk about myself. God damn it. Well, <laughs> you asked me about my year. It's not, I'm not going to ask you about your year. No, I appreciate it. There were a couple other lines that I pulled out. I, they, I wondered if we could just unpack and I'm trying to figure out which one I want to talk about first. I think, I think I want to ask about 
the poem, um, I can't remember the actual line, but it was it was about the things we don't tell our children mm. about mm-hmm. this world. And you're a mother with, and then you read you read the one about about you know Gracie specifically. You said yeah. her name, so I'm yeah. assuming you don't yeah. mind if I say okay. her name. Um, but the things we don't tell our children about this world. How have you, how have you dealt with that raising a raising a child like looking around it, everything that happens. It's so hard. It's so hard because they know like kids are so much smarter than we give them credit for. They feel and attuned to things that we don't even realize as adults because we've lost that ability to do. Um, But there are things that it's like, we're not ready to talk about that explicitly. Mm. So, but they have to know like nothing good comes from raising a generation of children who are entirely sheltered and have no understanding of like the true issues that we face that can be very nuanced. Like I'm scared about losing nuance in conversation. Like in America, we're so divided already that it just becomes a yes, no, when it could be like, yes to this no, I don't agree with that part. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like there would be so much more value in have, being able to have those difficult conversations. And even if they don't end up with full agreement, like better understanding of each other yeah. would be helpful. So I just try to walk that line of like, okay, age appropriateness. Like there are things that I'm not going to say on this podcast that my daughter has said that I'm like, Oh my God, are we talking about this? What is happening? You know, I'll tell you later, Mitch, but but like things she asked about. Yes. And you're like, what is happening? Or just like little things that you're like, okay, I guess this is the time we talk about that. Um, you know, but, and then it's like, it's it's hard like we were last night driving home and i told you we love silly songs and we were singing the safety songs i was like yay my kid loves buckling up or like does it so well and i don't know and then just throwing in there like and don't go with stranger <laughs> like, like, when you, like i don't want to freak her out but you need that message repeated because they they forget kids are so trusting kids are so trusting like you hear a kid come out of this fucking awful situation and they still have compassion and caring and understanding and even love for like the people who were totally making their life hell you know and so just trying to protect that but also operate with the realization that the rest of the world is not it no not everybody is safe and like Mm -hmm. there is a lot of danger out there and I don't know that everyone can be fixed. I mean, I want to believe that. And like, I do have heart for that, but I also have eyeballs and reality and like, you know, that the world can, can be very scary. So just trying to be empowering and give, give facts and knowledge and like science exists, those things. But even that is like debatable in our country. So it's, it's a difficult time. God damn. So it, you sort of touched on this, but like, do you take the track where if she asks you about something, she's ready for an answer on that? Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, you feel, oh, too far. You're done uh, with that. You know, uh-huh. like there was a vagina question and I pulled up a diagram and she's like, well, that's weird. And like, you know, she was done. Like, she was like, yeah. I don't need, I'm done. And I'm like, okay, well, at least you know that saying the word vagina is okay. Yeah. All right. Have a good day, sweetheart. Go play. So yeah, if she asks, like she gets an answer, but even that is kind of like cautiously walked through to try not to pass along my own fucked up shit. Yeah. Like, you know, our cat gets out and doesn't come home for a while and I have to sit there and like quell my anxiety. I'm like, you don't want to pass on this anxiety to your kid. Shut up about the cat. She'll come home. (laughs) Like, don't say another thing about it. You know, like just trying not to pass on my own issues and neuroses to her. It's like, you realize as a parent, like, fuck, no matter what I do, unless I am doing better, like, like saying you want to be better and thinking better. It just does. It's not the same. Like your kid will do what you do. And you know, like that is, (laughs) that's how that works. Yeah. Yeah. There, I know he's persona non grata, but uh, Louis CK has a, has a bit where he, 
uh, I think his daughter asked him about like death and he explained oh, that yeah. like everyone is going to die. And then, and then he eventually, he told her eventually the sun will explode and the earth will be gone. And then he like acted out her reaction to that where she's like, I guess I'll go fucking play now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like that. But you yeah. mentioned in the, in the poem that, that she does have a, have a grasp of death, which is. She does. I mean, and that's just circumstance. You know, my mom passed mm. away when she was old enough to like be aware of that happening. Mm. And she was there for the aftermath in my own life that was very much unexpected to me. I didn't know I would deal with the death of my mom in the way that I did. And um, yeah, so she she knows about that. And kids do. They pick that up easily. I I don't know. That's just something... Even with like a bug, you know, they realize what that means. I think yeah. more, again, more than a lot of adults give kids credit for. Yeah, they can roll with the changes. Yeah. Uh, this has been a, a dark set. Yeah. I love dark shit. I'm a very, I've been told I'm a very dark person. Um, but I wonder, I wrote down just the word darkness. And then underneath it, later on in one of your, in one of your poems, you were talking about dark things and reactions to them. And you said something about you prefer to be grateful. Oh, that was like the first one. It was, yeah. Um, In terms of like darkness and dark things, what, how do you, how do you maintain You can be angry, but I prefer to be grateful. Um, It's interesting. I do have a lot of anger about things in my life, but you know, and it's not a contest of like, well, is there more gratitude or more anger? It's not about that. It's, um, I don't know. I just, I end every internal battle of like despair with thinking about awe. Like, Mm -hmm. like life is so amazing in so many ways that if you can redirect your focus to that, most of the time that is helpful. I mean, there are some situations that I've never experienced that I, I can't right. speak for. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta be on, a, on an individual basis. You know, yeah. What, what you can only control your own reaction. Yeah. But life is amazing. And so I do tend to try to, I do like darkness so much more so than we can talk about in this podcast. What but do you, I, what do you mean? Just we, we darkness. Can talk about anything in this darkness podcast. is, oh, there's a lot to darkness. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can talk about morality. We can talk about language, curse words, language. We can talk about sexuality, you know, darkness, um, mental darkness, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I do tend to like my darkness with like a little bit of sparkle. Mm-hmm. I like that little bit of sparkle. <laughs> it's got to have a little shimmer to it. I don't know. Can you give or me an like example? balance. What do you mean? Um, like this, like I could not just like you said, read this poem. And I was like, I could not just leave mm. it at that. It has to be about what happens next. Like, and I guess maybe that's one of my, obs- sorry, that's sorry. maybe one of my obsessions with uh, like post-traumatic growth because everybody knows about post-traumatic stress and disorder, but PTG is also a thing. And it's like, I don't know what the magic concoction is to like make something beautiful out of pain or tragedy, but it is something that happens in our human experience. And to me, I like to end on that focus, but this has also been a really interesting exploration and that the writing of that poem initially, even before you asked me to read it on the podcast was an experience of sitting with that emotion. Like I am, even though I'm not in that situation, I'm sitting here listening to it be repeated with people who I love very much in my life, you know? Mm. And it's, it is a cycle. It, it, like I, I am out of it at this time. And do you ever get out of it? I mean, we could talk for 8,000 more podcasts about that too. We will. Um, but out of it, more further removed from being in the direct experience of an abusive cycle and now standing witnessing it 
in other people who cannot see it because they're in it, or even if they see it, like I referenced in that piece as well, even if you see it, it sometimes doesn't matter. I don't know why I can't fully explain that, but you know it and you just, that you have, you sit with that and that is acceptable Mm. for some reason, you know? I would imagine it's, it takes baby steps to get there. You know, there are like so many, so much has been mentally made acceptable, like, or like twisted to be like something you're okay with by that point. Totally. So you're at the point where like, well, I've already accepted all of these things that came before. So I guess this is just part of it now too. Well, and there are stages and I am not a professional. Honestly, you have more probably not in psychological training than I do, but that is a thing. Like you, you do research, you start to see yourself in these situations and understand that it is happening to you. And then you research and you research and you research and then you And then if you get out, there's like this running into a cement wall where you realize that you truly are not the same person that you went into the relationship with and that you have to deal with that. And then you can get like stuck on learning about it because you're just learning Mm -hmm. about it. You're not taking steps to actively recover. And I think a lot of people find that. And then you know, am I the abuser? Like I have referenced both being abused and being abusive. And that is something we definitely don't like to talk about in our country. And like the number of conversations I have had about quote unquote mild or like, which in my own situation, I still minimize that and call what actually happened physically in my relationship mild abuse. And like, you know, yeah, it's important to distinguish things and discern things, but it's still what it is. And it's, it's something that is so hard for us to talk about because so many people are personally touched by by it and also haven't dealt with it. Don't want to see it, you know, and there's, there's a lot to unpack there in different situations and layers, but I, I just, I wanted to call out, I think a few of those stages of the experience of how to get out of that, because that's the whole seven times Hmm. is like, you're realizing these different things. Obviously things are changing each time you do that. And then eventually it is enough. And unfortunately like that is, if you don't know, and if people don't know when a woman or a person more often a woman decides to actually leave an abusive relationship. That is the most dangerous time. And I do think that that's more common knowledge, but it just explains part of why that makes it so much harder too. Yeah. So I'm going to quote you again to yourself. These are expensive lessons we learn on each other. I think you said on each other, not from Mm -hmm. each other. These are expensive lessons. I mean, the, I can't, I really can't speak to it at all. You are the expert here. So well, not but, to put that on you, but. but well, and I'm not because yeah. Are there things that I've done to recover successfully? Yes. Are there things that I'm still dealing with that I'm probably un, even unaware of totally. Um, the, but you've, you've had expensive lessons and, and they've, they've happened on you and you've probably given some expensive lessons to people too. And sometimes we don't even know, like, this is the whole thing. Like I always go to other poets work, but there are several other poets who I can think of without totally getting into their poem. It's like, this thing happens. You have to realize your impact on the other person, you know, whether it was intended or not. And sometimes that impact is pretty far reaching. Yeah. God damn. God damn. Well, you mentioned constantly having book ideas or, oh, or yeah. ideas. Are, are you talking about fiction or like collections? Oh, no, 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 no. Not fiction. Um, totally nonfiction. Or I, I love listening to poets on your podcast categorize themselves. Thank like you. I am a confessional poet or I am a Zen poet. Like I, I love the different labels of poet that come out. Um, yeah, no, definitely poetry, which my poetry does tend to be 
confessional. There are wild mm. other explorations, but it is mostly nonfiction. It's confessional. most it's mostly all about me. Um, but I, but as like listening to, I'm trying to not quote as many other poets, like just from creeping on your podcast, but like. <laughs> um, Renee talked about this and a couple of other people have too. like the impetus to focus on what is important to write about and like, mm. what is that? And trying to give voice to more important things. But like, I've always tried to maintain that balance of like, okay, let's not make it a contest between fun, silly poetry about ducks and like heavy social justice things because I do think we need them both. Yeah. Like poets deserve to play as well as try to fix the world's problems. Yes. You know, so it doesn't boil down to one thing, but follow through is also something that I've tried to work on this past year. So who knows, maybe next year will be the year of a book actually being produced from one of these many ideas. Hell yeah. Hell, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And next year's coming sooner than you think. I know. Like <laughs> immediately. Uh another quote that you that I pulled out from you from your your what you read. Um because I didn't understand what you meant here. And I can't remember the context, but you said this world is not a negative space. Ah. Uh, what did you mean by that? <sighs> The world is not bad. And it kind of, this is a nice closing point because it's kind of where we started with talking about curse words. Like these words get so charged with power, but at the core of it, it's just these letters that we've decided have this meaning together. And that's both terrifying and powerful mm -hmm. because if, if we have created it, it means we can change it. But not everybody's always working in the same direction. <laughs> And it almost seems it like has it's a mind of its own, but the world is not a negative space. The world is what it is and negative things happen in it and negative mm -hmm. events and situations happen. But so much of that is what we assign to it. But like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'll speak for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Losing your mom was a good thing. Like I, you can't, boil it down to good or bad mm. so often like that was the worst thing that happened but did it affect me in some good ways too yeah like did I care more about being impeccable with my words and living a life that you know I can be proud of eventually when I stopped being an absolute goddamn mess you know that lesson was learned these expensive lessons, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so the world's not a negative space. It's, it's our assignment of feelings and ideas to it that make it what it is. Like it is not inherently negative. And I just feel like so concerned about the despondency of, mm. of the world right now and people not realizing that saying like, we can't fix this carries weight to it. Yeah. Like we have to, and we <laughs> like, if we can't fix it all, we have to pick something yeah. to focus on. And maybe we'll, maybe we're all, we'll all die together while we're trying to fix it. But right. At least we were I trying. mean, failing, that was life changing for me like two years ago, like learning to have a goal that is worth failing for, mm. like having a goal that even if you fail, you know, the effort is worth it. Yeah. And that's a great way to end things thinking about what is that goal for you? And it's the end of the year, folks. Pick a goal and work toward it. Emily's going to put out a book next year. So keep, keep a lookout for that. Um, I'm sure I asked this last time, but where should people go to find more, hear more? People should more? go to the Merc or talk to Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> you host uh, every what Friday? Second every Friday. Second Friday second of the Friday. month. Cool. Emily, thank and you. And come for to the full moon. Yes. Oh, oh. When's, the when's the next one? Uh, it's on the 25th, 25th of January. 25th of January. And do you say the location or should people just, just like... come talk to me okay. at the Merc or cool. Q or somebody? Fuck yeah. Cool. Thank you again. 
All right. Thank you. Happy New Year to Happy Mitch. Happy New Year, everyone. Y'all thought we were fucking done. Uh, Emily has an announcement for today because this will go up tomorrow morning. So if you're if you're able to. You can also find me and many other wonderful poets and hosts from the Mercury Cafe and just amazing poets from the Mercury Cafe at Erotic Poetry Festival. It starts at 7 and goes till 8.50 at the Merc. 15 bucks. Come on down. It's going to be hot. That is tonight. So if you're hearing this today on New Year's Eve, go to the Merc at, you said 6? 7. 7, sorry. Get there a little early. (laughs) Cool. All right. Fuck yeah. Bye. See you there. Oh.